Greetings in the name of Christ and welcome to Concord Matters, a show that seeks unity in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ by His Holy Word through the study of the clear and concise teachings confessed in the Book of Concord. As Peter boldly confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We boldly confess the truth of the entirety of God's inerrant Word, nothing more and nothing less. We do it all not for the sake of just trying to make a point, We are here to give a clear conscience in Christ for you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. We continue our study of good works as as is proclaimed in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Last week, we were blessed with the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richards' Focus on the freedom from a seared conscience, and by the Lord's help, good works naturally follow by faith. That's the key. If you look around the world and you say, well, that's a good work, that's not a good work, the question is, how do we know it's a good work as a Christian? That's what we'll dig in today as well, of trying to determine how we determine that. Is this something that we see in the world, or is there some other way of monitoring this? This will be our third of seven studies on good works that flow from faith on in the cross. And so I really encourage you, our listeners, that if you have some questions, send us an email. Um, if, you, if you want clarifications, uh, we have seven great pastors who will be helping teach this important subject because I think we've said this before. Um, if you get justification wrong, you'll never get good works right. But if you get justification right, um, uh, good works flow from that. And so that's really our goal as we look at good works, as it says in the Apology, love fulfilling the law. So open up your Bibles and open up your Book of Concord and let's start confessing. If you have any questions concerning our study of the Augsburg, of the Apology, excuse me, of the Augsburg Confession, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Joining us in the Confession of Christ, we welcome back Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio. Pastor Meyer, welcome back to Concord Matters. It's good to be with you. Well, Pastor, um, there's a there's a reality of this that sometimes you have to start at the end in order to come back to the main point. So today, as you are listeners, we were talking prior to our program today, and I was like, what's your favorite part in our section today, which is in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession? And Pastor Meyer said, well, actually, the last line, the last section. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pastor, I think we should start there. What do you think? Absolutely. All right. We're on page 114 of the Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord, Concordia, the Lutheran Confessions. And I want to start with uh, number 96 on page 114. Number 96 on page 114. So this last line really does encompass everything. And I want to ask you, Pastor, as we break this down, restart us off on the right foot. So we're on page 96. Once again, we are studying good works. And it reads, Melanchthon writes, Conscience, however, cannot be eased before God unless through faith alone. Faith is certain that God, for Christ's sake, is reconciled to us according to Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. This is because justification is only a matter free is only a matter freely promised for Christ's sake. Therefore, it is always received before God through faith alone. Pastor uh, Melanchthon ends this section. Obviously, he keeps writing. He speaks about a conscience never being at ease before God. And why in the world would he put that in the section of good works? 
Yeah, because it all goes back to justification. It all goes back to Jesus. So if you don't know how you are made right with God, you'll always be wondering. If, if you think of good works as that which is kind of a payoff to God, uh, that you have to do enough things in order to appease him, uh, then your conscience will always be accusing you because you'll never know if you've done enough. But if we're resting in Jesus, if we understand the sufficiency of Christ, that he has paid for all sins of all time for all people, that my sins are forgiven for his sake, that I am justified for Jesus' sake, then at that point, I can have a free conscience, a good conscience, a clean conscience, uh, because I, I know whatever good works I'm doing simply flow from faith. Uh, they don't add to it. They don't um, have any bearing on my salvation, but they flow from the reality that I've already been redeemed by Jesus. One of the, one of the crazy realities as we are studying good works is how often my heart wants to go to monitoring what a, what's a better work. Mm -hmm. So I will say with my lips, no, I'm not saved by my works. But then when a good work flows, either I want to monitor my heart. Did that make me feel good? Did that make other people feel good? And then all of a sudden I start determining my worth on that. And then <laughs> I have the other issue of then the immense amount of guilt that I didn't do more or I didn't do it with a clear heart, whatever it might be. <laughs> and so it's this constant feeling. So I am, I, I have to admit to you, our listeners, that, that this is, this section is really hitting me hard because often I want to just focus on good works and to the dismissal of justification by faith. Not that I deny it. But my heart naturally just want to go and focus just on those good works, which easily you start losing Christ. Pastor, can you kind of uh, speak to that as, as, a, as a pastor and what you've noticed with others, maybe even your own heart, as we try to really determine what a good work and what it isn't, and then we lose sight of justification? Yeah, I think we we struggle with this because we, we assume uh, that the way it works before the Lord is the way it works with with the world. And so you earn what you get. And the reality for us is that we don't earn what we get. In fact, uh, we get what we don't deserve. We get grace, we get mercy instead of receiving what we justly have earned by what we've done. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about this uh, in, in terms of being a parent and uh, if you know you have children, you want your children to know that you love them. Well, how do you show your children that you love them? Uh, you don't do it by one great grand gesture every once in a while. Hey, kids, we're going to go to Disneyland. Now you'll know that I love you. Uh, no, you, you, you care for your children day after day after day after day. You show them love by feeding them and clothing them and making sure that they're taken care of. And it doesn't look like anything that impressive. To the world. The world wouldn't look at you and go, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing love. Look what you've done. You, you fed your children. <laughs> you made sure that your, your children went to school and did their homework. Um, but when you stand back and you look at it, it actually is great love. Uh, and I think a lot of times our, our works are like that. Uh, what are the good works God has commanded us to do? 
well, we don't have to come up with some great thing to prove our love for God. Uh, I think that's the temptation we we fall into, that I've got to prove my love to God by some great thing. Well, no. Uh, seek to keep the Ten Commandments. Fulfill the vocations God has given you. You know, be a faithful parent, a uh, faithful spouse, a uh, faithful citizen, church member, uh, and you're going to have more than enough to do. You're never going to do it all that, that you could do even within those vocations. Um, you're never going to keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, but that's where you look for what a good work is. And uh, again, it's not going to look greatly impressive to the world most of the time. And yet, uh, the, these are truly the good works that we're called to. And that has hit hard throughout this article when it speaks about the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. being really the heart of this, because we can also do this. We can make up works that we see as more holy mm-hmm. simply because I've kind of made up that they're more holy. And then we'll dismiss, like, for example, remember the Sabbath day. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm doing these good works over here. Therefore, I'll skip worship, <laughs> which I've heard people do in this. And you're like, yeah, this, I've, this I've, is totally a messed up thing. Go ahead. I, I, I've heard of uh, churches not having service on a Sunday because they were going to go out into the community and serve. And they said, because that's what the church is supposed to do. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> the church the church is supposed to gather around Christ, receive the forgiveness of sins. And yes, you will then go out and serve. But you don't put service as a replacement for Christ. You don't put service as a replacement for the forgiveness of sins that we need. Uh, we don't uh, substitute that in place of a commandment God has given us of remembering the Sabbath day. So let's do this. Now that we've gone to the end, it's kind of like uh, um, when you go to, in times we do this, like we, uh, um, as we're recording this, we just fresh off of All Saints Day. There's so many times you go to the end and you see the glory of what will be in, in heaven. And then you come back to today and you talk about the glory that our Lord is still working in our lives today. So that's kind of what we're doing here today is, we speak about this faith alone and, and how we have peace because we are justified by the blood of Christ. Now we go back when, when Melanchthon is replying to many of the adversaries' arguments. And I just encourage you, our listeners, to, if you want to, kind of, to the arguments that lead up to this point are absolutely phenomenal as, as that Melanchthon makes, especially uh, the previous program with Pastor Richard. We talked about Luke 7 and the woman, the sinful woman who was forgiven. And the speaking of when when she uh, cried on his feet, Jesus's feet, and, and washed his feet, and so forth, that this was done in faith. That's what made it a good work. She was done in faith, and the forgiveness was because of faith that she had, knowing that this guy that she was doing this for was a forgiving God. And so that's the same thing that we have that we trust that this God is a forgiving God. So I just encourage. It was absolutely outstanding last week. Absolutely outstanding this week. Just keep digging in as we want to look at this faithfully. So go back to page 110 in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. We're on page 110, number 62, as Melanchthon replies to the adversary's arguments. We continue. Now, when the grounds of this case have been understood, the distinction between law and the promises, or the gospel, it will be easy to resolve the adversary's objections. For they quote passages about the law and works and leave out passages about the promises. But a final reply can be made to all opinions about the law, namely, that the law cannot be kept without Christ. 
And if civil works are done without Christ, they do not please God. Therefore, when works are commended, it is necessary to add that faith is required. They are commended because of faith. They are fruit of the testimonies of faith. Ambiguous and dangerous cases, many and various solutions. For the judgment of the ancient poet is true. An unjust case, being in itself sick, requires skillfully applied remedies. In just and sure cases, one or two explanations derived from the sources correct all things that seem to offend. This happens also in our case here, for the rule I have just quoted explains all the passages that are quoted about the law and works. We acknowledge the scriptures teach the, the law in some places and the gospel in others, i.e. the free promise of forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake. But our adversaries absolutely abolish the free promise when they deny that faith justifies and when they teach that we receive forgiveness of sins and reconciliation because of love in our works. If forgiveness of sins depends on our works, it is completely uncertain. The promise will be abolished. Therefore, we tell godly minds to consider the promises, and we teach about free forgiveness of sins and about reconciliation, which happens through faith in Christ. Afterward, we add also the teaching of the law. It is necessary to distinguish these things aright. As Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, we must see what Scripture says about the law and what it says about the promise. For it praises works in such a way that it does not remove the free promise. Right there, Melanchthon is being a good Lutheran. I don't think he ever called himself Lutheran. Who knows? <laughs> um, but he's definitely speaking about the distinction of law and gospel. So what is what is Melanchthon telling us? Yeah, so he's, he's saying that... Uh, are good works that are done that are commanded by God in the law. Uh, th- but th- those are not contributing to our salvation. They are the fruit and the testimonies of faith. So the good works that we do flow out of our faith in Jesus. It's not faith plus our good works that make us right with God, but rather uh, faith in Christ who has done all that is necessary for our salvation. Uh, so, um, you know, he says, if forgiveness of sins depends on our works, it is completely uncertain. And that's right, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, if you look back at your day, if I look back at my day, I'm going to see all kinds of opportunities where I failed to do the good works I was commanded to do. I'm going to see times where I didn't, uh, where I, where I uh, sinned against God uh, by uh, breaking the commandments God has given me. And so then if I were to judge, am I saved based on those things, I either end up trying to minimize the law and not let the law be the law that God has given, um, or, or, or making an excuse for myself, or uh, I despair because I, I recognize I haven't kept God's law. And even if I try really, really hard, I'm going to keep failing to do that. Uh, so it, it, thanks be to God, our, our forgiveness does not depend upon our works. It depends on Christ's work uh, because that is sure and certain. Uh, we never have to wonder, did Christ do enough? Uh, we know that he has. Scripture testifies to that. The resurrection testifies to that. The ascension into heaven and him uh, being received in glory, sitting at the right hand of God, that all testifies to the reality that, that Christ has sufficiently paid for all sins of all people of all times. 
It's amazing to me, too, to see how it's convicting in this sense, where it says, right at the beginning, number 62, for they quote passages about the law and works and leave out the passages about the promises. Mm -hmm. And it speaks very clearly, one, about the danger and how easy it is to bring up the law. Well, if you just did this, if you just did this, yes, Jesus died for you. All you have to do is, et cetera, et cetera. How easy that flows from our hearts and our lips. And how the gospel is actually quite difficult to preach because we always want to have the other shoe drop. Jesus died for all your sins. Awkward silence. Crickets in the background. Is there more? There's got to be more. You know, those kind of things. What's the tendency we have even today to be like the adversaries that uh, Luther, uh, that Melanchthon is addressing? Yeah, it is. It's uh, And you'll hear this um, sometimes in, in various churches even. Uh, well, they don't need the gospel. They've already come to faith in Christ. What they need is now to learn how to live. Well, okay, there is a place for, and, and Melanchthon gets to that even uh, in the section that we we read there. Um, you know, afterwards, we add also the teaching of the law. Well, there's a place for that in learning how the Lord would have you live. But when that becomes the only focus, you're not hearing the gospel, you're not hearing the forgiveness of sins, then you're uh, seeking to do to carry out the the law with the wrong motivations, uh, you're not actually doing good works because you're doing them now, uh, seeking to get something out of God. Uh, you're you're essentially you're trying to put God in your debt. You're you're doing good works mm-hmm. with the assumption that now God owes me because of the things that I've done. I I, I followed all the rules. You owe me. You have to do now what what uh, what what I say that you have to do because, see, see what I did for you. Uh, versus, we look to the Lord in faith. We trust in Him. We know that all good things will come from Him, uh, but the Lord will give us those good things as He sees fit in His time, uh, according to His wisdom. Uh, really, it, it goes back to us trying to control God rather than. Uh, resting in the hands of God. Kind of like a, God, don't worry, I got this part. You know, you, you did that Jesus part. Yeah, so you now did I your part. Of it. Mm-hmm. But, but now it's up to me to do these things. Um, you know, God, uh, God did his part. You got to do your part. Well, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not, in, not in the matter of salvation. Um, yeah, are there good works for us to carry out? Yeah, scriptures have been pretty clear about that. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 speak of the the, the grace of God, but then Ephesians 2 is uh, that we then carry out the good works God has prepared for us to do in advance. Well, great, we're going to do those things, but they don't add to our salvation. They don't uh, contribute to us being favored by God in any way. Um, they f- simply flow from faith. They are, as Melanchthon says here, they are the fruit and testimonies of faith. Where faith is, good works will follow. There was one time, and you enjoy this as a football fan, and I'm a big football fan as well here in Minnesota, and and I usually write notes to um, the college coaches. Uh, P.J. Fleck is now uh, the coach, and so I write letters to to them and various other coaches that we've had just to encourage and say, I thank God for you. And I'm a pastor, blah, blah, blah. 
And so PJ Flack wrote me a letter back and just said, Brady, thank you for this. It was very kind. He wrote a letter back and and then he he just said, you know, I've learned that uh, that you do your best and God will do the rest. <laughs> and I remember thinking as a confessional Lutheran, oh, my gosh, PJ Flack is a heretic. <laughs> and um, that's the only message I can get out of this, actually. Exactly. As a good Lutheran, <laughs> that's all you got from it. So I went to Bible study the next week. And I, and I just told my Bible study, let's evaluate the statement and see what it is. And so we, we broke it down and had discussion, and it was great. We you know, went through the scriptures and talked about, no, it's all in God's hands as far as faith. And, and our works are simply a you know, gift that he gives to us and, and, and flows from faith, all this kind of stuff. And it was great. We just had a great discussion about salvation. And then just this wonderful member of ours, because I thought, man, I've hit a home run. I mean, at the end of the day, I can almost call him a heretic. And at the end of our study, one of our beloved members said, Pastor, you're right. When it comes to our faith, we have nothing to bring. Mm-hmm. And he said, when I go, and he was a doctor, when I go and do my work as a surgeon, I have to every day say, I'm going to do my best as a surgeon and trust that God is going to take care of it from there. <laughs> and I was like, shoot, he's right. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. And that really relates. I'm I'm just getting hit over the head all the time in this in this article because that's exactly how Melanchthon is speaking. Mm-hmm. Is he speaking? Yeah. Fulfill your vocation, right? But know that when it comes to salvation, yeah, BJ Flack is a heretic. But when it comes to our daily vocations, he's, he's probably right. exactly right. Yeah. He's exactly right. Yeah, and so I had to repent right you, there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. You got to start rowing the boat now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but but really, it, it it it's a good point because the the good works he as your member described there, he's doing he's seeking to do this good work for his neighbor, carrying out his vocation. His his de- salvation is not dependent on this, but because of love for neighbor, he wants to to do this, and he's not expecting any. Um, reward from God, uh, the good work in and of itself is the reward. Uh, now, will will the Lord reward good works? Well, yeah, He does. Again, in His time, in His wisdom, um, not necessarily uh, according to the schedule we want to put Him on. And, and and I think the the other thing is once we start focusing on good works, what what are we doing? We're we're very quickly we, we like to turn it into um, I deserve this reward, and then we're trying to put God in uh, in our debt uh, instead of simply, well, this is what I'm given to do. I will do this because it, it pleases God and it serves my neighbor. Well, I want to dig into that before our break. We have a few minutes before our break, but we're on page 110. We're at number 68, and I'm exactly what Pastor just mentioned is exactly where Melanchthon takes us. So, page 68. Good works are to be done because of God's command and for the exercise of faith, confessing the faith, and giving thanks. Good works must be done for these reasons. They are done in the flesh, which is not as yet entirely renewed. The flesh hinders the Holy Spirit's motives and adds some of its uncleanness to its works. Yet because of Christ, they are holy, divine works, sacrifices, and acts belonging to the rule of Christ, who in this way displays his kingdom before this world. For these works, he sanctifies hearts and represses the devil in order to retain the gospel among people. 
He openly sets a confession of saints against the kingdom of the devil and in our weakness declares his power. I'm going to stop right there just because that's so cool. That is um, really great stuff. It's great stuff. And and here, what does he talk about our flesh and what does he talk about Jesus in the midst of that? How would you break that down? Yeah. So the, the good works, as he says, are to be done because God, God told you to do it. And it's what faith does. Uh, so even when we do those good works, though, we, we still find a way to sully them by our sin. Uh, we, we don't do them with clean motivations all the time, do we? Uh, you know, even, as a pastor, you're serving, you're, you're going to preach. And is that a good work? Yeah. Even as you're carrying it out, though, there could still be, hey, I, I really want to be liked for doing this. I, I want to I want to earn somebody's respect or I really want to tell this joke and really nail it and, and have everybody think that I'm really funny. Uh, you know, my, my selfish motivation is now creeping in there even to that good work. Uh, so when we when we seek to carry out the good works, it's a miracle of God that we do that. It, it is a work of the Holy Spirit uh, that ends up carrying this out and, and causing anything that we're able to do to actually be you know, a good work. You know, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. Uh, and boy, that work of sanctification is a, is a full-time job for the Holy Spirit because we make it hard on him. Uh, we're constantly seeking um, our own selfish motivations in that. Uh, but Melanchthon says here, for in these works... He sanctifies hearts and represses the devil. Uh, he, he sanctifies us through the carrying out of those good works that we've been given to do uh, and, and helps us to actually be the holy people that, that Christ has called us to be and that he has made us uh, by his blood. I'm reminded of when it talks about he has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil. That shows us the, 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 the connection of faith and works. That here, it basically tells us that when we are doing works in faith, we are going against the kingdom of the devil, yeah. and our weakness declares his power. Yeah. So that connection, and that's from, excuse me, that's from the second article, of the creed in the small catechism that that we speak about when we confess Christ you know we're we're battling the devil if you will but when we do works good works in Christ we are also doing we're battling the devil yeah that's I the reign of Christ that that's the reign yeah. of Christ in, in reign us Christ. so yeah. yeah how how does Christ uh, uh show his reign well parents disciplining children and loving children and teaching children and um praying with their children um you know all of these little things in our estimation that are actually uh, simply Christ reigning in our hearts and in our lives. Well, let's keep on that tone after our break. We'll continue our study of good works as confessed in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Stick around. Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. 
You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to kfuo.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to kfuo.org slash store. Welcome back. We are confessing the truth of good works, or as, as it says in the Apology, love fulfilling the law from the Apology of the Augsburg Confession with Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sunbury, Ohio. Now, Pastor, it was uh, Melanchthon who was really on a roll here, and I kind of stopped right in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> but we're speaking of the the power, well, first of all, the power of Christ. This is about Christ. Mm-hmm. And so when we when we have, when there's faith, we are battling not only our flesh, but we're also battling, um, there's a battle against the devil. Um, and also, we look at this, when we do things in Christ, they are holy works. Now, this is a little bit um, uh, confusing, because you're like, well, how can there be a holy work when our flesh is fighting against us all the time? Um, how would you break that down for a Bible study to say, okay, that is a holy work, and try to make that make sense to us because we see things a little bit differently in the world. Well, it's interesting because I think Melanchthon kind of goes into that with, with what, what follows. Uh, how does Christ do battle? Well, um, David waging wars against uh, the enemy is a holy work because it, it was what God had given him to do as king of Israel. He was fulfilling his vocation. Uh, in the same way, when we uh, carry out the works that God has given us to do, uh, God is is waging war against the devil through us. Um, so, our, our our good works being holy, we 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 always want to make that about church stuff, don't we? When we think about holy works, we always want to. Uh, I have to do more in the church. And I think that's where sometimes, uh, well, uh, we, we, we start <laughs> substituting things in. Uh, well, if I serve as a lector at church, that's a, that's a really holy thing because I'm, I'm doing it in church. Uh, if I serve on a, on a board at church, but it's usually, I think it's, it's a lot of times the focus is on within the service. I have to do something. And if I do that, that's really a holy thing. When in reality, it's not really what God has called you to. What God has called you to is is uh, carrying out your vocations. It's if if you're a a parent, being a faithful parent. If you're a worker, doing that job really well. Uh, when you do those things, you are doing holy works. You know, changing the diapers of your baby is a holy work. Uh, it, it doesn't look real holy when you're doing it, does it? It's it's messy, it's uh, it's dirty, but it's holy. Uh, if you're a if you're a counselor, you deal with people whose lives are are a mess sometimes. Well, it, it's dirty, it's gritty, it's it's uncomfortable, but it's a holy work because you're seeking to love your neighbor, but by helping them within that that vocation. Uh, so uh, we we have we have to look to the Lord and see what He says. 
we're to do rather than look inside of us and try to figure out what makes me feel like I'm doing a holy work. As you said, um, maybe we should read further. Mm -hmm. It explains it even better. It does. It does. (laughs) But great, great setup as we continue. We're at number 69 um, on page 110 on number 69. Consider the dangers, labors, and sermons of the Apostle Paul, of Athanasius, Augustine, and the rest who taught the churches. These deeds are holy works and true sacrifices acceptable to God. They are Christ's battles, Colossians 2, through which he repressed the devil and drove him away from those who believe. David's labors in waging wars and in his home government are holy works, true sacrifices and battles fought by God. They defend the people who had God's word against the devil in order that the knowledge of God might not be entirely extinguished on earth. We think this way also about every good work in the humblest calling and private affairs. Through these works, Christ celebrates his victory over the devil, just as the distribution of alms by Corinthians, by the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, was a holy work, a sacrifice, and a battle of Christ against the devil, who labors so that nothing may be done to praise God, so that nothing may be done to praise God, excuse me, to demean such works, the confession of doctrine, suffering, works of love, suppression of the flesh, would be to demean the outward rule of Christ's kingdom among the people. Here also we add something about rewards and merits. We teach that rewards have been offered and promised for the works of believers. We teach that good works have merit, not for the forgiveness of sins, for grace, or for justification, but for other rewards, bodily and spiritual, in this life and after this life. For Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, Each will receive his wages according to his labor. There will be different rewards according to different labors. But forgiveness of sins is given alike and equal to all people. Just as Christ is one and is offered freely to all who believe, for his sake their sins are forgiven. Therefore, forgiveness of sins and justification are received only through faith, not because of any works. This is clear because of terrors of conscience because none of our works can turn away God's wrath. As Paul clearly says in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith, because faith makes sons of God. It also makes us co-heirs with Christ. I'm going to stop there because he makes mm-hmm. he makes a distinction here, which is my, my make is a little uncomfortable, I would say, but he is definitely keeping us very clear that forgiveness is never done by works, but there are quote rewards. Mm-hmm. How would we break that down as Lutherans to make sure we're not, uh, you know, building up the riches in heaven or building up our riches here on earth based on our good works per se? How would you how would you break that down, Pastor? Yeah, Scripture is pretty clear that God does reward good works and. Uh, in eternity, um, there are going to be rewards for those who have uh, carried out good works in this life. Uh, now, our status of getting to heaven is not dependent on that. Um, our our ability to be saved has has not uh, it, it's not related to that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, as it says, the forgiveness of sins um, and works there there's there's not a connection there, uh, but rather. Because we have been saved, those who live by faith and lead uh, exemplary lives doing these good works, there, there is a reward. Sometimes in this life we see those rewards, but sometimes not. 
right? Sometimes some of the most godly people live in poverty. Uh, they are uh, hated by the, the people around them, the culture around them. They're oppressed, uh, but they can continue to live by faith and know, okay, God, God will reward in the end. Uh, so it, it helps us to continue to want to carry out uh, those good works God has given us, even if we're not being rewarded right here and right now. Uh, but again, that doesn't justify us. That That's not how we are saved, but it's uh, it's something that we, we know is also true. God will reward our good works. And that's one of those parts where um, that's true. And so we just have to say it and maybe not ask a ton of questions and say, you do the good work because I know one professor would tell us, you do a good work because your neighbor needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said before, you do the good work because this is what God commands of us. And and then let God kind of, as, as P.J. Flack would say, do the rest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think one of the tricks is, that truly good works are done in faith, right? We've, we've established right. that. And so they are done not seeking the reward. This is the interesting thing. Oh, man. Truly good works are not done in order to seek a reward. They're done uh, for the sake of, of love of God and love of neighbor. Uh, I, you can kind of think about this with kids. Uh, you ever have, have one of your kids and all of a sudden they're doing a lot of things around the house they're cleaning extra. They're asking if they can help with this or that. And you're just waiting for, what are they looking for? What are they trying to get out of me here? <laughs> they're buttering you up by doing these things because they want to be rewarded for it. Uh, now, is that truly being done um, in a spirit of love or is it being done in selfishness in the end? It, it's, it's, yes, it's a, it's a work that's benefiting your neighbor, but the motivation is actually, I want it to, I want it to, it to benefit me. I'm doing this good work so that my parents will give me what I want. Um, that's the, that's the thing with good works. They're, they're actually only done when we're doing it in selfless love, uh, before God, uh, an act that's done with selfishness as the motivation is, it's not actually, something being done in faith, it's not actually a, a true good work. Uh, Reverend Dr. Leonard Payton uh, was on our first program about love fulfilling the law, and he used the example of if there's tires that go out on, on in your car, and you have two of the same people, uh, he's, he used the example of twins, that one, one guy is on one end of the car fixing that tire, and the other guy is on the other side fixing that tire. Is that who's doing the good work as far as in the eyes of God is, well, the one who has faith. One has faith and one doesn't. <laughs> yep. He does the same exact work. Yep. But one is done in faith and one is not. Yeah. It's good for the civil world, as it mentions here continuously in the context. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But so somebody yeah. could do a good work, a, a work that would be considered a civil uh, civil righteousness, a civ, you know, a good work before man. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I had somebody that I worked for back in college that said, well, what's the deal? I like, you know, somebody like Gandhi, they, they do all of these good things. Does God not, uh, reward them? How are they not going to be saved? 
And well, okay, these works done before men might benefit men, and that's good, but that's not actually a good work before God because, again, it's going to be done with a wrong motivation, a wrong heart. Uh, uh, scripture is is really clear on this that uh, uh, only through faith can anything be a good work. You know, Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this is where also there's that reality, like in Philippians 1, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill, yeah. and later do out of love, knowing that I am put here in the defense of the gospel, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. And for all that, I give thanks to Christ. And so it's one of those crazy statements, and I think it relates to this when it comes to works, sometimes I'm really good at doing those works that the Lord has given me to do. And sometimes I do them begrudgingly. Mm -hmm. Pastor, is that the same as I've done one in faith and one not in faith? Not necessarily. You... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not necessarily. Um, I Actually, I think the, the section that we, 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 uh, we kind of skipped past there uh, details this a little bit. Uh, you know, through these works, Christ celebrates his victory over the devil, just mm -hmm. as the distribution of alms by the Corinthians was a holy work, a sacrifice, oh, and a battle of Christ against the devil who labors so that nothing may be done to praise God. Uh, sometimes sometimes when we do a work, even though we're doing it maybe begrudgingly, it, it's because of faith in Christ that we're doing that. Mm. And so it's be, it is Christ actually breaking and hindering the hold that the devil has on us. You know, we pray this in the Lord's prayer, right? Thy kingdom come. And we're praying that the, that the Lord would break and hinder uh, the hold that the devil has on us that would keep us from doing the Lord's will. And so when we actually are, are finding ourselves serving our neighbor, you know, giving alms, uh, you know, loving someone uh, without expecting anything in return, it, it's a sign of Christ's rule and reign in our hearts and in our lives. And I think this gets captured where one particular pastor I know that when you, when I've heard good sermons from him um, at various conferences, I've gone up to him and just said, you know, I really appreciate your words and appreciate your friendship and blah, blah, blah. And he always ends that statement by saying, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is a, a way of, you know, because obviously we're going to start thinking, yeah, I am pretty good. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of words that we, they're words of faith that we realize that even if our hearts are not inclined to actually believe that, we start thinking that we're doing really well. It's a way of saying, okay, you know what? This is all about God. Mm -hmm. And so any, any thoughts you have for the, our listeners of, we talk about how much, how easily it is to start giving ourselves a credit instead of praising the Lord. I guess any quote unquote advice and how to battle this every single day? How would you how would you tell uh, your members and our listeners today? <laughs> yeah, by daily contrition and repentance, the old Adam should be drowned and die. Uh, what do we have to do? We have to daily examine ourselves, confess our sins, confess our shortcomings, uh, confess our our selfishness, our our, our <laughs> selfish desire to want credit, and, and pray then that the Lord would uh, would would help us 
to live as he would have us live, that the Lord would would reign in our hearts and in our lives. Um, so we, we, we pray for forgiveness, but then we pray, Lord, now, now use me, lead me, help me to do that which you've carried, uh, we, which you've given me to carry out uh, instead of my selfish heart leading the way. Let's continue on number 75, page 112, as we continue in this confession. Because by our works, we do not merit justification, through which we are made sons of God and co-heirs with Christ. We do not merit eternal life by our works. Faith receives it because faith justifies us and has recon- and has a reconciled has a reconciled God. But eternal life is due to the justified according to the passage in Romans 8:30. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Paul, Ephesians 6 tells us the commandment about honoring parents by mentioning the reward added to that commandment. He does not mean that obedience to parents justifies us before God. But when obedience happens in those who have been justified, it merits other great rewards. God puts his saints to work in various ways and often holds back the reward of works righteousness. He does this so that they may learn not to trust in their own righteousness and may learn to seek God's will rather than rewards. This can be seen with Job, Christ, and other saints. And many Psalms teach us this way. They console us against the happiness of the wicked, as Psalm 37, 1 says, Be not envious. Christ says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. By these praises of good works, believers are undoubtedly moved to do good works. Meanwhile, the teaching of repentance is also proclaimed against the godless whose works are wicked. God's wrath, which he has threatened against all who do not repent, is displayed. Therefore, we praise and require good works and show many reasons why they ought to be done. Paul teaches this about works when he says in Romans 4 that Abraham received circumcision. He did not seek to be justified by this work, for he had already attained justification through faith. He was counted righteous, but circumcision was added so that Abraham might have a written sign in his body. B, admonished by this, he might exercise faith, and C, By this work, he must also confess his faith before others, and by his testimony, invite others to believe. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Because he was just by faith, the sacrifice he made was pleasing to God. It is not that he merited forgiveness of sins and grace by this work, but he exercised his faith and showed it to others in order to invite them to believe. We're going to stop there because he keeps going back. Uh, cause we get easily start looking around us and looking for justification in different places. Uh, he keep, keep looking around us to find what the good works were to be done. And here he just keeps bringing us back to faith. What else did you see in these, in this portion? Yeah, I, I, I love the section where, um, Langton says that, uh, sometimes God doesn't give us the immediate reward for our good works. Mm because it's protecting us from ourselves. <laughs> it's essentially what he's saying. Uh, if he were to give us the reward for our good works right then and right there, we would very, very quickly start assuming, again, I can put the Lord in my debt uh, by my works. He has to reward me for this. I'm going to do this, and God's going to owe me one. And so now we're going to start doing things not in faith, but with the, the selfish motivations of a sinful heart. 
And so sometimes God holds back the rewards of righteousness, which is not to say there will never be a payoff, um, but that he does not give us that which won't be helpful for us uh, at that at that time. You know, Job lived by faith, and yet he lost everything. Well, what did his friends want to say? Well, Job, it's because you messed up. It's because you did something wrong. It's because um, you failed to do something. You know, you're getting what you deserve, Job. No, that's not what God said. Uh, and uh, so it's helpful for us to remember that. You know, when we're carrying out our vocations, seeking to be faithful and in, in living according to the Ten Commandments, and we don't seem to be getting a reward for it. Uh, God is still watching. He still knows. And and we need to continue to seek to be faithful. I had a, a pre-call meeting with a, a congregation in my district that is going to be experiencing a vacancy, meaning that they don't have a pastor. They're going to, a pastor's retiring. And one of the common things I like to ask congregation members in the midst of that is their favorite Bible story. And, and the reason for that is because people are then talking about God's word as opposed to all the fears which we, which we pray about and allow that grieving as well. And it was really great. One of the guys um, said, my favorite story is Job. And I was like, oh, tell me more. And he goes, because in the midst of all the trials that his faith did waver, but at the same time, he stayed strong. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was just a perfect, uh, I thought it was just very telling of this individual. And also kind of that, that situation we have in the church is that is our faith going to struggle? Yeah. I mean, when talk so much about faith here and you're like, Oh my goodness, my faith is not strong, which is why, like you said, God continually reminds us, Oh, by the way, that faith you have, that's what I gave you as well. (laughs) So yeah, if you're looking at your own faith and you know, you're taking too much credit. And so I, I just think that's very important because the more we look at faith for faith's sake, then we lose once again, it has to have an object, which is Christ. Yeah, if we're looking at ourselves, we're not looking at Jesus. You know, and, and we always have that tendency. We always want to look at ourselves, always got get turned back in on ourselves. And uh, the Lord needs to keep directing us back out, looking That's to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks be to on, God. On page 113, let's continue. We have about five minutes left in our time. In this way, excuse me, uh, page 113, number 82. In this way, good works ought to follow faith. Yet people who cannot believe, and be sure that they are freely forgiven for Christ's sake, and that freely they have reconciled God for Christ's sake, use works in a far different way. When they see the works of saints, they judge in a human way that saints have merited forgiveness of sins and grace through these works. So they imitate them, thinking that through similar works, they merit forgiveness of sins and grace. They think that through these works, they appease God's wrath and are counted righteous for the sake of these works. We condemn this godless opinion about works. In the first place, it hides Christ's glory when people offer to God these works as a price and atonement. This honor due to Christ alone is credited to our works. Second, they do not find peace of conscience in these works. In true terrors, heaping up works upon works, they eventually despair because they they find no work pure, important, and precious enough. The law always accuses and produces wrath. Third, such persons never attain the knowledge of God. For in anger they turn from God who judges and afflicts them. They will never believe, they never believe that they are heard. But faith shows 
God's presence, since it is certain that God freely forgives and hears us. Furthermore, this godless opinion about works always has existed in the world. The heathen had sacrifices delivered from the fathers. They imitated their works. They did not maintain their faith, but thought that the works were atonement and price by which God would be reconciled to them. The people in the law, the Israelites, imitated sacrifices with the opinion that they would appease God by means of these works, so to say, ex opere operato. We see how seriously the prophets rebuke the people in Psalm 50. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. In Jeremiah 7, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. Such passages do not condemn works, which God certainly has commanded, as outwork exercises in this government. They condemn the godless opinion that people thought that by their works they appeased God's wrath and so cast away faith. Because no works ease the conscience, new works in addition to God's commands were made up from time to time. The people of Israel had seen the prophets sacrificing on high places, like in 1 Samuel 9. Besides the examples of the saints, very greatly moved the minds of people who hoped to obtain grace by similar works, just as the saints received it. I'm going to stop there, Pastor, just because we have uh, quite a bit we could probably cover here in the last few minutes. But what is Melanchthon uh, bringing home in this section? Again, um, we can't put God in our debt. Uh, good works flow from faith. And uh, when we understand that we are reconciled by Christ, the good works are, are quite simply going to follow. But but we're not going to do those good works in order to uh, cause God to owe us one. Uh, we can't do that. We, we can't cause God to be in our debt. Um, we are always looking to him and receiving from him. Um, so, you know, they, the, the idea is always for us. We're always thinking that we have to do something in order to earn our standing before God. It's so hard for us to simply reconcile that, nope, we are, we're right with God because of Jesus. By faith in him, we are right with God. There's nothing we can add to that. There's nothing we should try to add to that because that would be to rob Jesus of his glory. Uh, but we are right with God. And so now we're, we're set free. We're set free to do the good works, uh, not in order to earn something, not in order to put God in our debt, but simply because the Lord has set us free. The Lord has broken and hindered Christ, uh, Satan's rule in, in our hearts. So, Pastor, let's end on this. Someone comes to you and says, Pastor, I want to do a good work. What would you tell them um, to end <laughs> our time and encourage our listeners? Yeah, we, we, we do the works God has commanded us. We, we look at the Ten Commandments, and we look at the, our vocations that God has given us, and we simply seek to faithfully carry that out. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's uh, maybe a good way to end would be to, to think about um, something that uh, Johann Sebastian Bach used to do. You know, great uh, um, uh, musician, great Lutheran theologian at the same time, mm. and he would, he would often, at the top of a new piece that he was writing, he would write the letters JJ, 
Jesu Yuva. So that stood for in Latin, which is Jesus help. So he's going to set out to do now his vocation as a musician. He says, Jesus help. And then at the end, when it was completed, he would write at the bottom, SDG, Solo Deo Gloria, to God be the glory, right? To God alone be the glory. So I've done my, what, what God has given me to do, but really um, all glory goes to God. So when we're seeking to carry out the good works God has given us to do, we say, Lord, help. And then when we've done it, uh, what did Jesus say? We're unworthy servants. We've only done what we've been told to do, uh, you know, to God be the glory. <laughs> and thanks be to God for that. Pastor Ben Meyer of Hope Lutheran Church in Sun Bay Area, Ohio, clearly confessing the truth of justification and good works that follow. Pastor Meyer, thank you for being our guest. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finner. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand. Thank you.